topic this morning, is, as you can see, is nothing is too difficult for God. And I hope as a result of our time together, uh, you will agree with that. I do have a handout at the back. If by chance you don't have a handout, that would be helpful for you a little bit later on. But if you, uh, if uh, one of the, the men would, uh, anybody that doesn't have a handout, just raise your hand. And does everyone have a handout? Boy, this is, oh, okay, we, we, get, we need one, here, one up front. Thank you. We are living in uh, times of peril and sometimes times of uncertainty. And some of you uh, may recall uh, a teacher or a family giving you some words of advice. So we definitely need a discernment in our time. But uh, one of the things that we do need uh, to understand is that you cannot believe everything that you hear. Did your mom or dad say that? You can't believe everything you hear? Okay, if your mom was really interested in how you were gonna grow up, your mom or dad might have also said, you cannot believe what? Everything you read. And then in the days of computers and Photoshop, there's something else. You cannot believe everything you see. And also, uh, I, I have a problem with my doctor. I go to, go to see my doctor and I say, well, doctor, I saw this on the internet. And he says, uh, didn't I tell you about uh, looking at the internet? So also on the internet, you cannot believe everything's on the internet. But I would like to encourage you today that what we're about to see is a passage from the Word of God and that we can believe everything that's written in the Word of God. We are lied to. In fact, I probably should have looked up some statistics. We are lied to probably hundreds of times during the day. But again, we need discernment during our time. So uh, uh, we hope that this, the scriptures will again give us this discernment. Today, as uh, uh, the passage was read, if you have your Bible or smart device, if you want to plan ahead, uh, move to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, that's the passage that we'll be looking at, Acts chapter 12. Now Jesus, when he was here on earth, he prepared his disciples, and one of the things he prepared them for was difficult times. If you'll look with me at uh, John 15, uh, John 15, I'll, I'll read it for us. Jesus says, if you were of the world, and the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, referring to Jesus, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus is saying they didn't know the Father. And one of the purposes Jesus came on earth, he came to die for our sins, but he also came to reveal the, uh, the Father. And if you want to see the Father's love, uh, look at the passage uh, in, in the Gospels about the prodigal son. So as we look at Acts 12, we see that the events of Acts 12 took place about 10 years after Jesus' death, uh, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. If you want to look at that, look at the beginning of Acts, and you'll see that. So as we look with uh, uh, the passage at Acts 12, uh, let's start with verse 1. Return with me to Acts 12, verse 1. 
This is, uh, first of all, talking about Peter's arrest and deliverance. The scriptures state, Now about that time, Herod, the king, laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Now, uh, the word Herod is used in the Bible uh, several times. And if you've read parts of the scripture, you say, Boy, this guy, he, he lived a long time. Okay, there's several Herods mentioned in the Bible. Uh, on the slide, I think I've got six, but I'm going to really concentrate on three. Uh, the first Herod uh, you need to be aware of is the Herod that's mentioned during the time of Jesus. He was threatened uh, by uh, the uh, wise man coming to see Jesus. And as a result of that, if you'll look uh, in the beginning of Acts, all the boys uh, aged two and under murdered in Bethlehem. Because, again, uh, the, the wise men came to worship the king of the Jews. Uh, this was Herod the Great. And uh, uh, they, uh, the Herod Herodian family, they ruled over this area of Israel for about 100 years. So this is Herod the Great. The next Herod that I'd like to focus in on is Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas. And he followed uh, Herod uh, the Great, and he was married to Herodias, uh, and he also killed John the Baptist, and he put Jesus on trial. So that is uh, Herod Antipas. Now the Herod in uh, Acts 12 that we're talking about is Herod Agrippa I, or Herod Agrippa I. This is the grandson of Herod the Great. And again, he's the one uh, that we're talking about here. Well, uh, is my microphone on? It seems like it's cutting in, in. It's cutting in and out. I don't know. Uh, I think I've got it on, but uh, everything, everything good. Okay. Uh, Herod, uh, uh, the, the Herod here talking. Uh, we're talking about here is Agrippa one. Let's look at his territory. We can see here, primarily in the green. I don't know whether any of you have been to Israel, but. It, the very uh, probably a third down is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, that's where his territory began. Also Samaria. That's between Judea and Galilee, and uh, that's in the green. And also Judea, and then to the uh, east of uh, Perea. Those were the main areas of Herod Agrippa I's uh, territory uh, here in uh, uh, Acts 12. Also during this time, uh, some people believe the Book of James was written. And so James, uh, with the church being persecuted uh, by the Jewish leader, uh, leaders and also by the ruling party, James writes this in uh, James 1, 2-3. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Testing of your faith produces endurance. So this is uh, James' word to the church. And even in our day, I think in America, we've had it times now the church
that James was probably decapitated, uh, and that's what it means by putting, being put to death with a sword. Uh, continue with me in verse 3. When he, uh, Herod, and this is talking about Herod Agrippa I, saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And it was during the days of unleavened bread. So Herod was not a full Jew. He was uh, partially an Edomite. And the Jewish leaders, they resented uh, someone not being fully Jew, being a fully Jew uh, ruling over them. But again, he saw uh, when he uh, killed James that it pleased the Jewish leaders. So this, this Herod wanted to make favor with the Jewish leaders. And also uh, he had Peter arrested and he had similar plans for Peter. But we're going to see what happens. So it was against the law uh, to sentence or bring someone to trial during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we're glad that we had this, uh, this pause because had that not happened, uh, Peter may very well have received the same fate. Notice with me in verse 4 of Acts 12. When Herod's men had seized Peter, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. Now, Peter was a, a, one of the early leaders of the church. And if you can imagine this, it would be like, uh, think of the, the biggest Marine you've ever seen and multiply this by 16. A squad had four men, so we have 16 men uh, guarding, or 16 soldiers uh, guarding Peter at this time. And uh, one was uh, chained to Peter's right hand, one was chained to his left hand, and two of the other soldiers were guarding. And every three hours there was a change in the shift. So from a human perspective, there's no way, there is no way that Peter could be released from the situation that he was in. But also, if you, if you forget everything I've said, and I hope you won't today, uh, the title of the message is, There is Nothing Too Difficult for God. And keep that in mind, what's going to happen. Look at uh, verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm not going to go to this passage, but this is not the first time Peter had been in prison. If you want to write down uh, Acts 5, verses 19 and 20, all the apostles were in prison at one time, but something else happened. And I'm going to uh, be like Paul Harvey and let you read the rest of the story if you go to Acts 5 and look at that. We're not sure exactly where the prison was. It could have been uh, by the, the Temple Mount or it could have been uh, near uh, Herod's uh, palace. But probably in the minds of the, of the people, uh, if, if you're like me, there's sometimes I pray for things and I'm a little bit doubtful as to whether it's going to happen. I think the, the church is praying for Peter, but they're, they're kind of expecting the worst. And we're going to see again that God had a different plan. Uh, look at verse uh, 6. On the very night when Herod was about to bring forth Peter, P uh, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Now remember, uh, Peter again is probably uh, middle-aged here. But if Jesus tells you something, you can believe it. You can take it to the bank. And so, so Peter was sleeping. If you're like me, if I thought there was a remote chance that this was my last day on earth, 
I probably wouldn't be sleeping. I'd probably be up tossing and turning and and probably these soldiers had body odor, you know. So there's, there's, there's a lot of things going on. But he was probably exhausted. He was sleeping. But Peter did remember something that Jesus had told him. Jesus had a promise to Peter, and it's in John 21, verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, so Peter probably realized that he was going to grow old. You will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Maybe that's why Peter was sleeping. He realized that he could trust in Jesus. He could trust in Jesus' word. And Jesus had promised him that he would grow old. So he realized that even though from a human perspective, he looked like he was probably going to die the next day, that did not occur. Another thing that Jesus mentioned is about angels. And... Uh, Angels is an interesting concept, a guardian angels. Jesus says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So here we see uh, angels working. There's an angel involved in, in this situation. And we, we, we're encouraged by noticing what uh, the scriptures indicate. The scriptures indicate that, and behold, in verse 7, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck or nudged Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. Look at verse 8. And the angel said to Peter, Gird or get dressed, and put on a quarter belt around your waist. Put on your sandals. And Peter did so. And, and, he, and the angel said to Peter, Wrap your cloak, which was the outer garment, around you and follow me. Now keep in mind, Peter was asleep and, and the, the angel has awakened him. I know some of you, if you're like me, uh, we're kind of groggy when we first get up. In fact, uh, you, you husbands and wives have probably realized you do not talk to your significant other until they have a cup of coffee. So give, cut, cut Peter some slack here. He's, he's groggy. He, he's not sure whether this is a dream. Is this really happening? Uh, am, am I so worried about what's going to happen to me the next day? Am I, am I hallucinating? But again, we see what's going to happen. Look at verse 9. And he, Peter, went out and continued to follow the angel. And he did not know what was being done by the angel. Didn't know whether it was real but he thought he was seeing a vision. You know, these, these guys saw visions from God. So again, Peter's wondering if he saw a vision from God. Look at verse uh, uh, 10. And when they, Peter and the angel, passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Now we, uh, sophisticated people in the 21st century, we have remote controls. You know, we've got a garage door opener. Someone have, some, some of you guys have it on your, your cars, or, or we have uh, various remotes. But what, what this verse says right here, if you see, the gate opened by itself immediately, automatically. Now, now I don't know. The angel may have had a, a remote control. I don't know. But there probably wasn't a, a device on the machine. But angels can do stuff we can't do. So we see this is happening. God has supernaturally... Uh, intervened here. 
Nothing is impossible or too difficult for God. He's intervened in, in Peter's life. The chains fell off. And the soldiers didn't, they weren't aware of what was going on. So again, we see God miraculously working in this situation. Look with me at verse 11. When Peter came to himself and said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the, land of, from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. See, again, Peter didn't know what was going on initially. This, this is catching him by surprise. This, this was out of the ordinary. But then he realized this was not a dream, this was not a vision, this was reality. Pick up with me, please, in verse 12. And when Peter realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Now Mary here, just to give you a little bit of history here, Mary is the aunt of, Bar uh, aunt of Barnabas. And you realize that Barnabas uh, will be uh, going on some mission trips with the Apostle Paul. Some people speculate, and I, I'm not going to die for this, that this house may have been the house where Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with His disciples. It was a large house. It looked like uh, uh, churches or a church had met in this house. Uh, we are blessed, and I'm, I'm glad that God has provided this building, but in the first century, churches met in homes. And so we, we believe this, this is the uh, house of Mary where the church was meeting. And this is, this is where the, 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 the church was praying for Peter's release. Uh, notice uh, what's happening in verse 13. When Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Now Peter was probably, uh, again, he was half asleep and he was a little bit lazy. I, I, you know, maybe I'm reading into the text. The angel was doing a lot of stuff, or doing everything for Peter, okay? The angel's gone. So Peter has to start doing some things for himself. And notice what, what he did. He knocked. He knocked at the door of the gate. And again, a, girl, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Now, the Bible, you know, it's, it's, it's true, but it also gives humor. This, is, this, is, this would be a really f a funny situation. They've been praying for Peter. Peter's knocking at the door. The servant girl sees Peter. She's so excited, what does she forget to do? She forgets to open the door. So let's, let's cut, cut her some slack. You know, she, she was probably uh, over, overwhelmed. And, and, look, and uh, look, look what happens when she says that Peter's at the, at the door. Look at verse 15. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And, she kept, and then they said, oh, it's his angel. Well, again, we see in this uh, Matthew 18 passage that the, the, uh, Jesus mentions guardian angels. Now, I don't know. I, I probably haven't done a study on angels. I'm not sure whether we all have angels I think there's a good possibility. If you're like me, I have, I have come to death, uh, close to death several times in my life. And there's no reason uh, to explain it other than an angel. I'll give you an illustration. As some of you know, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, I got to Texas as fast as I could, but I wasn't born here. And again, I have accepted the fact that I'll never be a native uh, Texan. So again, that's, that's something I've put to the past. I've, 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 gone, I've, I've gone, uh, under, undergone counseling, but there's nothing I can do about never being a native Texan. But one night in, in North Carolina, 
we don't we don't have crossing guards all the time uh, with our railroad tracks and I was uh, uh, driving there, there there wasn't a lot of emergency vehicles like there are in Dallas but it was a, a fairly uh, calm night I stopped at a, a railroad track and I didn't hear anything and I wanted to go but something just said just wait a little bit wait just just you know a few seconds and I listened again I said I'm gonna go and it's something just seemed to say don't go about uh, 10 seconds later a train passed so had I gone uh, had I followed my own promptings I wouldn't be standing before you today I would probably be six feet under in a cemetery so again uh, we, we do have we, we probably have angels helping us and also the, the Jews had an interesting concept about angels they believed that if a person died and they weren't sure even though they were praying for Peter they weren't sure whether he was still alive they thought he could have been uh, killed they thought that uh, an angel uh, would stick around a body for about three days, and you see that with the Lazarus situation. Uh, they thought it, uh, the angel would, would stick around, and then after the fourth day, the angel would depart. So that's why they, they think this could be Peter's angel rather than, than uh, Peter himself. So the church was praying for Peter to be safely released from prison, and God has answered their prayer, but again, they're doubtful. Look at verse 16. But con Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him. And again, I don't know what your Bible version says. Mine says amazed or they were astonished. Have you been praying for something and when the answer occurs, you're, you're kind of shocked? This is what's happening with these people. They couldn't believe their eyes. Look at verse 17. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, Peter described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. Now, can, can't you imagine the chatter that's going on in this room? They're saying, is that, is that really Peter? It, you know, it kind of looks like Peter. It could be an imposter. I bet it's someone pretending to be Peter. Or they were saying, this is so neat. God has answered prayer. Praise the Lord. There, 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 there's, there's, there's people that are really in tune to the Lord that are rejoicing. And then other people are saying, you know, we're, we've been kind of tired praying. Are we dreaming? Are we hallucinating? Is this really true? But again, we see that this is true. Now again, James is mentioned here. This is not the James that was beheaded. This is the half-brother of Jesus. He was one of the leaders of the early church. And he did not believe Jesus was the Messiah until following the resurrection. But again, he was a leader in the church. And he also wrote uh, the uh, uh, book of James toward the end of the New Testament. So following this miraculous event, and we're, we're to use still common sense when God works in miraculous way. God uh, impressed upon Peter that his, his life was still in danger. So Peter... He left town. He wasn't going to stick around because Herod would be looking for him. So Peter wisely left and went to a different place. If you do have your handouts, I'd like to go over just a few things that you can take home. Uh, one of the things I learned at seminary that was so discouraging was a week from now, you're going to forget 90 to 95% of what I said today. So I gave you a handout. You, you're probably not going to remember the name of, of who's, who said this, but you've got a handout, and you can look it up. And I want to encourage you another thing. 
If I have said something contrary to the Word of God, go with the Word of God. Don't go with me, but, but please check me out. Look at uh, the sermon notes. Nothing is too difficult for God. And this is again from Acts 12, 1 through 17. While living on the earth, and I, and I felt compassionate for you. I, I could have had four blanks for you, but I only have two blanks for you. I've given you the first two. While living on the earth, the blank there is bad things can happen and will happen to followers of Christ. If someone uh, told you as a, a young Christian or a new Christian that, boy, become a Christian, it's going to be a rose garden, everything's going to be great, I've got news for you, they lied to you. Bad things do happen to Christians. Number two, followers of Jesus are to pray fervently. Your, your scripture may, may say earnestly. Are to pray fervently, especially in times of trouble, when a brother or sister in Christ experiences a life-threatening situation. Also, we, we may have personally a life-threatening situation. Uh, every time I get on Central Expressway, I think I have a life-threatening situation. So I, I pray many times when I'm on Central, and probably you do too. Now, it's a challenging time. If you don't have a pen, uh, maybe you can nudge your neighbor if you, if you see your neighbor writing. Number three, sometimes God answers prayer in amazing, you could put amazing or remarkable or unusual ways. God answers prayer in amazing, remarkable, or unusual ways. Number three, excuse me, number four, when God provides incredible answers to our prayers, Believers in Christ should give the Lord praise and glory by, the blank there is, by reporting His wonderful answers to our Christian brothers and sisters. By reporting His wonderful answers to our uh, Christian brothers and sisters. That's what uh, testimony time is so important. I'm sure you, uh, this church or maybe with your small groups has sharing time. We need to know how God is answering prayer from other people. That, that encourages us to see how God is working not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. There's a, uh, a, a statement in uh, italics there on your handout. And would you join me? You're probably tired of me talking. Let's all read this, uh, this statement in uh, italics together. A miraculous answer to prayer from God that happened around 2,000 years ago can still strengthen our faith and greatly encourage the Lord's people today. I don't know about you, this is one of the most encouraging passages, I think, in the book of Acts. And it it's, it's really uh, ministers to us. Another uh, aspect on your handout is practical application for today. Many of you know uh, uh, Pastor Ray Stedman that used to be at Peninsula Bible Church in California. He's with the Lord now. But I saw this uh, uh, from one of his sermons. Isn't it strange how weak our faith can be sometimes? We, 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 we sing praises to God. We believe He's uh, the Creator. We believe He's active and available to us. But sometimes, uh, if, if you're like me, uh, Jesus would accuse me of being of little faith. So sometimes we need to hear the testimonies of other people to allow our faith to increase. Look at the uh, uh, second one. God desires that His people participate in His work. One way the majority of Christians can be involved is through prayer. Now, if you're like me, I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of the biblical characters in heaven and looking at some of our, our contemporary ones. I've, I've been to Billy Graham's grave in North Carolina, and I saw him at Texas Stadium one time, but I'm looking forward to seeing Billy Graham. One of the, uh, the stars of heaven, or many of the stars of heaven, are going to be little old ladies 
that no one probably knew outside the neighborhood, but they're prayer warriors. Uh, we used to have a lady in Tyler. If you want an answer to prayer, you go see Aunt June, because uh, she, she, she and Jesus were tight. So again, prayer is a way that we can all be involved, no matter our, with our physical capabilities or not, we can all be involved in God's work. Look at the next one. Do not take for granted what is happening in your life. Prayer can become a mighty way to change lives, circumstances, and situations. There is no human possible way that Peter could have been released from, from the prison. But again, nothing was too difficult for God. Prayer changes things, so pray often and with confidence. And the final one, when you pray, believe you will get an answer. And when the answer comes, don't be surprised, be thankful. Some people believe, and I've heard Christians say, well, God doesn't answer prayer. I want to encourage you, God, some, uh, some people say He never answers prayer, but God always answers prayer. It may not be the answer we want. Uh, sometimes He says yes, sometimes no, maybe, or, or wait a little bit longer. But again, He always answers prayer. And there's a final verse on your handout, uh, Hebrews 11:6, and this is from the New American Standard. Let's all uh, say this verse together. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. I want to encourage you. Uh, uh, scripture memory is not uh, encouraged as much as it was in the past. But if you'd like to memorize a verse, that would be a great verse to memorize this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this passage. We thank you for the encouragement uh, that you've given us through Peter. And I pray that uh, we would encourage one another to love and good deeds. Thank you for answering prayer. And we pray that again, our time together uh, would, would glorify you and encourage your people. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.